Thank you for tuning in to Tuolumne Community Baptist Church podcast. So glad to have you with us today. I have to apologize. Last week, um, I don't know what happened. Um, as in the middle of my sermon, my podcast went flatline, and I, you know, I'm in the middle of preaching. I I couldn't stop and and work on the thing. You know, I tried actually for a couple seconds, and then I had to just let it go. Uh, so I apologize that we have lost last week's uh, podcast. Uh, I can try to re-record it sometime here in the office, and and I'll I'll do my best to do that for you because I, I hate for you guys to miss anything that the Lord has given us. It was a fabulous message, and at least I felt it was, and we had a really good time. This morning we're talking about something that I haven't talked about since I have been pastor here at this church. Um, I was praying this last week, and the Lord put this on my heart, and I said, Lord, really, this is, this is what you want me to talk about? And, and emphatically, he said, yes, this is it. And I got to thinking about, I've been here, part of this church, since 2014. I've been pastor of the church since 2018. Um, you know, I don't think in all the years that I've been here, I've ever heard anybody preach on the subject of tithing and sacrificial giving. And it's something that we need to talk about. I mean, as new people come in, new people join the church, how would they know what the principles are of sacrificial giving? Have you ever been in a place where you know somebody who gives? They're just a giver. And you wonder why? Well, I hope to answer that question today. The title of the sermon today is, Now I Know Why. I, I want you to understand why we sacrificially give. There's something that motivates us that is so incredible. And I, maybe you understand it and you're a giver and praise God, but we need to be reminded. We go through this daily life and we, can, we tend to forget all that God has done for us. And what a better time to do this than at the time of year that we're giving thanks for all that God has done. And we're heading into the time of year where we're celebrating our Savior's birth. I hope you enjoy the message. I think it's a good one. I think it's something that we need to hear as a church. God bless you. Come out and see us whenever you can here at Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. We'll talk to you soon. It'll get started in a few minutes. It's the time of year that we're thinking a lot about giving. Giving of ourselves, cooking and cleaning and feeding all the good people in our families and our lives. And trust me, that can be stressful, tiring, and even overwhelming. But that's not the kind of giving that I'm talking about today. The kind of giving that I'm talking about is the kind that makes some people squirm in their seats. And it's not that they're bad. These people just don't understand the blessing in tithing and of giving sacrificially to God. How can we understand if we don't teach on the subject? We have to. We have to teach on it. And and I'll admit, it's one of those subjects that most pastors want to just kind of avoid. You know, you just don't want to talk a lot about giving. And, And it's like, I am preaching to the choir. This is one of the givenest little churches that I've ever been associated with, and I thought it was before at the other church. But this one is amazing. And so, yeah, I am kind of preaching to the choir, but we still have new people come and go, 
and there are people that just simply don't understand the principle of sacrificial giving and a giving of our tithes. And this church doesn't have a problem with this building. Just look at the building that we're in and understand that we're just a few short years of having it completely paid for. Man, if that isn't a praise of the Lord, that is amazing. That is amazing. I don't even know how many thousands of dollars that you borrowed to build this church, Andy, but it was a lot. $178,000 and just it's been less than 10 years and it's nearly paid for. That's a church that understands sacrificial giving. So don't get upset. The pre-preacher's up there. We give all we can, and he's up there talking about giving more. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the principle of it. And so people can understand why we do what we do. There's a reason why we have to teach. So why are some people givers? There can be a lot of reasons why people do what they do. I'll admit that I'm a giver. I have found myself having to explain to my precious wife of why I give the way that I do. It's not always just in church. I'm a tipper, man. I'm a tipper. I believe in it. I believe in honoring people that serve us and showing people that as a Christian, we're not afraid. And, and sometimes my wife will look at me and go, really? Yeah, honey, don't worry. God takes care of us, and don't worry. But there's a difference between us, and, and, and you've got to ask why. Why? It could be the way that we were raised. I asked Joe, just the other day we were driving, and I said, You're, you were raised in church. It was a Methodist church, correct? All your life, raised through the Methodist church wonderful parents, Christian parents. And I said, did your parents ever talk to you about giving? About tithing? It's, it's got to come not just from the church, but from the parents. Did they ever talk about it? And she said, no, they never did. And I said, now I understand. And that's actually the title of my message, is now I understand why. Why we are sometimes the way we are. And I'm going to talk about two particular stories in the Bible where Jesus was dealing with sacrificial giving. And there were people on his own group, his own committee, his own disciples that are saying, Lord, we could have used that money. We could have spent that on the poor. Well, we know that Judas wasn't worried about the poor. We know that he was worried about his own pocketbook. But let's look at some of these stories because I want us to realize, you know, I started to tell you that I'm a giver. And I'll tell you one reason. It's not that I, I, I've always, we grew up in a poor house. Seriously poor. I don't know how we kept a house. I remember my mom and dad back in, this would have been in the 60s, you know, going out and collecting Coke bottles for, to turn them into the store to get money to buy food. Uh, stealing grapes out of vineyards, you know, and bringing home so we have grapes to eat. I, I, I remember, I, it's not that I, I grew up, I, I didn't grow up, you know, in a rich family. But like I started to tell you at communion, I remember who I was. 
At a young age, I came to the Lord and I accepted the Lord and was baptized, was Holy Ghost filled, was worked on the worship team, did all kinds of things around the church. My pastor wanted to send me to seminary so that I could come back and take over the church. He didn't know that I couldn't read. It was a secret. He didn't know. And it freaked me out and scared me and I started looking for reasons. You know, we're human beings, right? We start looking for reasons. Oh, I don't like that church. You know, the pastor's daughter married a jazz drummer, and he came in and took my spot over on the drums. He was good, too. But I was offended. The further I got from God, the further I got, it took, it, it took years. I can remember thinking, how did I ever get here? I knew that who I was. I knew the God in heaven that died for my sins. And yet I walked away. And then felt like I couldn't go back. Because I had sinned too much. I was always, I felt a person of morals. I was raised, I didn't lie, I didn't steal. I didn't cheat people intentionally. I was in business. I did what I had to do. Sometimes I had to be shrewd in business. Am I right, Jim? Sometimes we have to be shrewd. We're going to survive. But I, I felt that I had morals. But I didn't have a God. Yet I knew that he was there. And he was always there. And when he so graciously and lovingly took me back. There was nothing at that point that I wouldn't be willing to give. I've given away cars, motorhomes, motorcycles, everything but a house. Hold on, honey, I may. I, God had created a heart of giving because I know where I came from. And sometimes... After 50 years of being a Christian, coming to church, paying your tithes, being an all-out good person, we can forget. Why? Why we give what we give. Why we do what we do. Thank you. We can forget. And so that's what the Lord put on my heart. He said, it's not that you're preaching to a church that doesn't give. These people give. I want them to remember why. Not so we could say we're the proud owners of a church. It's for the kingdom of God. It's for more people to come into this building. For us to feed more and do more and love more than we do. I didn't mean to go all there. First scripture is Luke. Everything's going to be on the screen. I'm going to move as quickly as I can because I, I just took up more time there. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. I just love that. It just puts it out there. She's a sinner. Obviously, everybody in the house knew who she was and what she does. 
And when she knew that Jesus sat at the table at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. I feel this girl's heart. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped him with her hair, with her hair, and she kissed his feet and anointed him with fragrant oil. Now listen to how some of the other translations say this. An alabaster flask of precious perfume, a jar filled of expensive perfume, an alabaster curse of exceedingly precious ointment, a woman having a bottle of perfume of great price, a woman came with a bottle of expensive perfume. How expensive was it? It was very, according to what the Bible tells us, it was probably worth a year's wages. I looked through a lot of different commentaries. There's one that caught my eye because I like this guy anyway. And it says it was approximately, in today's value, thirty-eight dollars to $40,000 for this one flask. An alabaster, an alabaster is a stone commonly found in Israel. It's hard stone resembling white marble and is referred to as one of the precious stones used in the decoration of Solomon's temple. The Song of Songs, the beloved man described having legs like alabaster columns or pillars of marble. So the container the woman used was, carried, was to carry perfume oil made of white marble-like substance. Ointment, oils, and perfumes used to put in these vessels made of alabaster, which to keep them pure and unspoiled. The boxes were often sealed fast with wax to prevent the perfume from escaping. And when Mary broke open the alabaster box, and that's it. Once you break it open, it's open. It's done. Once she broke it open, the house filled with the fragrance of perfume. Alabaster was a strong enough substance to keep the oil and the perfume completely contained until the time of its use. These were used often in embalming and preparing for burial. Some of these flax were handed down through families and generations, and they were a very precious, costly keepsake. Does this help you to understand the amount of sacrifice this lady, whoever she was, this, this was everything that she had. This was it. This was probably the one thing, being a sinner, that she had left from a family that more than likely rejected her. So let's go to the next verse, 39. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, <laughs> This man, if he were a prophet, he would know... If, of who and what manner of woman this is touching him, for she is a sinner. Hmm. Verse 40, Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other owed 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love him more? 
Simon answered and said, I suppose the one he forgave more. And Jesus, in his own words, said, you have rightly judged. You have rightly judged. I'm not any more saved than my wife. But we give differently. We give differently because I know what God has forgiven in me and has brought me to this place, to this place to pastor you. I thank God for the money that you guys pay me. I'd do it for free. I can't afford to do that right now, but I would. If you said the church can't afford to pay anymore, I wouldn't leave. I would stay right here. Probably the biggest sin that my wife ever had to deal with was getting off of bubble gum. <laughs> She's never tasted tobacco, or had any desire, never sampled alcohol, or maybe once a glass of wine and she didn't like it. And that's so wonderful. That's so awesome. But if she could see the price that God paid for a man like me, then it helps her to understand why it's so easy for me to give, even beyond. Just so easy. I, I don't care about money. I care about heaven. It's mine. And you can't take it away from me. You can't take it away. None of the, that we earn, that we, we save and we build, and, and it, it's all God's. It's all His. And that's what Jesus was saying. You've, you've judged rightly. I praise God. I don't praise God for the life that I lived. But I thank God for the man that it's created me to be. Willing to give whatever it takes. To do whatever we have to do. So verse 44. He turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Verse 45, you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since I've come in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with a fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she has loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven you. This was probably just six weeks before they crucified our Lord and Savior. This is one of the statements that struck them, man. It struck them. Look at what they said. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who can even forgive sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. 
There is so much to say here. Some of us have lived on the other side of Christianity. And I think maybe have a little bit of a better view of heaven. Maybe because we've lived for so long in hell. No one is any less saved than anyone else. I would never say that. But could it be that sometimes we can live and walk in our Christianity and our faith and forget the sacrifice that was made for our sins? We just simply forget because it becomes a lifestyle and a culture and we don't talk about what Jesus has actually done for us to be here and what we have. We're walking in our eternity. You think it only starts when we die? I beg to differ. We're walking in our eternity today. We're walking in it. Why don't we start living like it and giving like it? So let's look at another one. John 12, 1 and 2. Then six days before the bath Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Verse 2. There they made him supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Oh, man, wouldn't you like to have been at that table? Verse 3, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, sparknard, anointed his feet of Jesus. This is the same type of alabaster container. It often, often was referred to as a pound because that's how much they put in it. And wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why is this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? There was, during the Roman times, there was a period of time when a denarius was worth about a day's wages. By today's numbers, the quote of silver contained and a denarius is worth about $3.62. That may have been, that may not seem like much, but as it turns out, $3.62 in value held a lot more weight than several thousand years ago. The only way we could truly understand Mary's motive to understand what she was going through is we have to look back just a little bit at Chapter 11, why would she give something so extravagant? Why? Why would she do it? Even Judas was saying, hey, hey, stop. We could have sold this. Even if his motives were pure, we could have sold it. So let's go back a little bit, and I'm going to go through this, and then we're going to end here. Now, a certain man was sick. This is... John 11, verse 1, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary, who anointed the Lord with the fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, 
whose brother was Lazarus, her brother Lazarus, was sick. The Bible just clarified who I was talking about in verse 12. The Bible will always clarify itself. It's just, there's no doubt, there's no question of what Mary we were talking about in verse 12, chapter 12. It was Mary that anointed the Lord with a fragrant oil and wiped his hair with her feet, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus, verse 5, loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I don't know why. You got people in your life that you just love. Maybe they're not related to you, but you can say, I, I love them. I've got those in my life. You're some of them. He loved them. These people were precious to him. They were his friends. They were the ones that he could sit, and if he had a complaint, he could complain to. They were the ones that he could say, I don't know why I'm going to have to go through what I'm going to go through, but I can trust you with this. They were special to him. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judah again. Now the Bible tells us in John 10, you don't have to go there, that he was beyond the Jordan, at least a two-day journey to Bethany. And he stayed there two more days. Lazarus, I'm predicting, had died probably the first day that they sent for Jesus. He's four days now. Four days in the grave. And Jesus makes his way back. Have you ever felt like your prayers are just not answered in a timely manner? Like you think they should? Have you ever lost someone and you felt that you shouldn't have lost them? Uh, if, if you haven't felt it yet, tighten your seatbelt. Because it happens in this world. I can remember asking God, take me, take me, and not my 18-year-old grandson. Take me. Let him live. Let him go to Bible college. Let him have a life. And the Lord took him. I know how Mary felt. She was upset. In verse 20, it's not on there, dear. Uh, then Martha heard that Jesus was coming, so she went out to meet him. But Mary didn't go. So we're going to go to the next one, which is verse 30. Now Jesus, who had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. And the Jews who were with her in the house confronting her, when they saw that Mary arose up quickly and went out, they followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. 
But when, verse 32, when Mary came to Jesus, where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't be dead. Can you feel it? If you had just been here, I know you love me, I know you love Mar. I know you love Lazarus, I've heard you tell us, but if you had just been here, I don't know about you, but I know how that feels. I have been there. Upset. Jesus, I don't get it. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Verse 35. And Jesus, you think for a minute when you don't understand you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through. And you're hurting beyond compare. You may be even a little bit upset with our Lord, like Mary was. Don't you think for a minute that it doesn't affect Jesus? Because right there, he wept because of the pain, the suffering that we all as human beings go through. He cares. And he is there with you. And you can have confidence when your time comes, when you're sitting there with whatever it is, that he'll be there with you. And don't you hold back from your weeping because he's going to weep with you. Just let it go. You'll never have to weep alone. Verse 39 I'm sorry, 36. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? Verse 37. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind, hey, I saw that, also have kept this man from dying? Where was he? Yeah, I added a little bit there. But where was he? If he loved him so much, why didn't he get here right away? Why? What? What? But see, God had a plan. Then Jesus again groaning in himself. This is the Holy Spirit that was turning inside of him. Came to the tomb. It was a cave. And a stone laid against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. Lord, he stinketh. For he has been dead for four days now. Lord, you don't have to. You 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 don't have to. You don't have to do anything, Lord. I we we believe you. Verse forty. Jesus said to her, "Do not say. Did I not say to you?" that if you would believe, 
that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? That changes everything. Could we be a Christian that's walking around here not really believing? Because it just hasn't happened to us, and when it does happen to us, are we, are, are we really going to be able to stand there and say, I believe? My grandson is dead. Am I still going to believe? Yeah. It's hard. But yes. I lost where I'm at. Verse 41. Then he took away the stone. They took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, listen to this. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Who's praying here? This is Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 42, and he says, And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Before Jesus did anything, he worships. Before he did anything, he worships God. He knows the devastation that he's in. He sees Mary and Martha are completely broke down. They're, they're, they're broke down. But before he calls out Lazarus' name, he worships God. Could it be that sometimes we may forget when we're at prayer, when we're saying, God, hear my voice, hear my problem, be with me. Maybe, just maybe, we should stop. And just take a few minutes to worship. Acknowledge him, who he is, and what you know. Now when he said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes. I, I, can, only, I can only see this in my mind, how he was walking out of there. You know, I mean, I can only, it's, it had to be something. I can't wait to see the video when we get to heaven. I want to see that, Lord. It's covered in grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. After an experience like that, what wouldn't you give? Now I know why. Mary had no problem breaking that alabaster box and taking what was probably her inheritance and sacrificing it to the Lord. Oh, we got to be done. I got another 18 scriptures. Malachi 3, we were going to go through it, but we're not. You know what Malachi 3 is. Yeah, he talks about tithing. And he says, test me. It's the one place God says, you don't believe it, try it out. 
try it out. Test me and see that I am good, that I will bless you beyond compare. Amen? Tony, would you come back and place a little something? I know that I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are incredible givers. You take care of this church. You take care of me. You take care of all the things pertaining to this ministry faithfully. And I'm so proud of you. But we have to remember why. Amen? Amen. We have to remember why we sacrificially give. I'm so proud of all of you. Of what you do give. I'm not going to brag about how much I give because I give whatever the Lord leads me. Besides my 10%, that is automatic, but I'm way past that. This isn't an altar call to ask you to come and be a better giver because I know who you are. I know that you are a giver. But if you need prayer because you're not feeling well, because your back hurts like Steve's, then come and get prayer. Joe and I would be happy to pray with you.